Welcome to the Sports and Torts podcast and its presentation of college football's last call. This podcast is powered by the J. Stein Law Firm, a personal injury law firm in Atlanta, Georgia. And now, the boys bring you their thoughts on this week in college football. What is up? Week two in the books. 2023 season is cruising right along, guys. I'd like to welcome everybody to listen to uh, Last Call, presented by Sports and Torts. Got a bunch of new listeners, so appreciate you guys hopping on board. Uh, gentlemen, big uptick from last year already on people tuning in. So, um, look, you two have got to continue to bring that A game. People have come to know and love. So, um, don't go poop your pants now in front of this big old audience. Gans, <laughs> Lawrence, how we doing, guys? Hey, good good evening. Um, I will say, so I spent my weekend, uh, Indian Hills, we had our annual member guest golf tournament out there, um, you know, sponsored by the J. Stein Law. Uh, I had numerous people coming up to me asking, how do they get a guest spot on Sports and Torts? <laughs> they love what we do. Uh, it, it was actually, I mean, it was, it was pretty cool uh, to hear the number of people that are actually out there listening and, uh, and interested to hear what's going on. So uh, to the millions and millions of attendants, um, we're happy to have you guys listening in every week. Love it. Perhaps we keep this as audio only and not go to the YouTubes if we want the, uh, the audience to keep growing. I think we look pretty good over here. Yeah, Lawrence, in terms of the golf tournament, you know, I just love sponsoring things and not actually participating in them. I mean, that just seems to be much more in my wheelhouse, but uh, it looks like a really good tournament. I saw there was a, a long putt was holed by our boy Brent Aronson to take home the title. Pretty exciting stuff out in Indian Hills this weekend. Yeah, he. Uh, I think he had his best attempt at going viral. He drained about a 35-footer to win the whole thing. Congrats, Brent Aronson. Uh, and his partner Mike Lott, who I just met this weekend, and then he did a victory lap around the green, and was uh, it actually took him about four minutes before he finally congratulated his partner, uh, but he did do a victory lap. He was doing the bull dance, feeling the flow. Yeah, Josh and I, uh, we, we played in a golf tournament this week. Our, our fortunes weren't as uh, as lucky, but I think we set a record for the most finished long drinks ever consumed at Cherokee. I was gonna say I was gonna uh, thank you, Mister Gans, for the invite out to Cherokee. Um, the finished long drinks. Two thumbs up. I'll, I'll tell you. I mean, first time I've ever had one. It will not be my last. Uh, we we definitely won the competition for most of those consumes. Um, our score to par did not win, but hey, middle of the pack. Something. Yeah. Middle of the pack. But perhaps we get a uh, sponsorship. We've been working on Tito's now for quite some time. Tito, I'm sorry, uh, Topa Chico, uh, and uh, perhaps finish long drink is looking to sponsor our last call. And the, and the putting contest was sponsored by Lindsay Kessel Real Estate, and she had a cooler full of the cut water ranch waters, also quite delightful. Uh, those go down very smoothly on a golf course or during tailgating or any sort of uh, day drinking activities, uh, being on the lake, being on the boat, you name it. So early in the season, you know, the games that Georgia has on their schedule allows for, for more golf activity on Saturdays, more <laughs> golf talk, you know, on this show, because God, it just starts slow. I mean, the, the game was about what we expected, right? Kind of very similar to the week before, um, kind of going through the motions, things to work on, some good things, some bad things, some names that that, that showed up. Um, Jason, you you watched it, uh, you know, every play. Give us your kind of your, your your initial takeaways. My initial reaction was a little bit stronger than my uh, my thoughts now, uh, you know, call it 36 hours later or so. Uh, there was some frustration on my part in the first quarter. I didn't think Carson came out of the gates hot. Uh, I do think he settled in. And upon 
watching it again today or, or just some of the highlights, I actually think he played better than I thought. Look, I'll say the the good is a what are we went 48, uh 45 3, right? Um 2 0. Again, no one really watched the game outside of Georgia fans, so stay number one. I think the team did look a little bit more crisp this week. I would say the bad. Uh, we talked about this last week. The offensive line still does not look great. They're not getting a big push. We had a lot of missed tackles this week that I'd like to see get cleaned up. I think the ugly is our depth at running back right now. Um, and did we need um, Andrew Paul? Did we need Dejan this week? No. But we will at some point. So th- that's an area of concern. Um, but Tuno, move on to uh, the Cox of South Carolina. Lawrence, yeah, between, um, between Lawrence, Carson Beck, you watch, watch it, the game? It, I did. I watched the game. Uh, I've watched bits and pieces on the golf course. Then I started to rewatch it last night and then finished it again this afternoon. Uh, I did see the, the text messages flying fast and furiously, already calling for uh, BVG and, and Gunnar Stockton uh, by somebody who may not be named that's on this podcast currently. Uh, but if you look at Carson Beck's stat line, it was pretty solid. Uh, ball security in that first or that first or second drive, whichever one it was, when he got the ball knocked out, um, you know that that's not going to that's not going to bode well when we get into conference play. So he's got to take care of the ball in the red area. Um, you know, I agree with you, Gans. I'll even get a little more specific as it pertains to the offensive line. It only really feels to me it's the left side of the offensive line. I don't know if it's Ernest Green or Xavier Trust, but they got to gel a little bit better. Um, we also missed some blocks. The wide receivers missed a couple of blocks as well. Um, but I will say Brock Bowers was not involved with the game plan at all. I think I saw he got one pass, three yards. I think he was targeted maybe once or two other times. So I think that was uh, intentional. Um, you know, we had 13 players catch passes um, in the game. And so it, it really is to me using these two games as tune-ups, get everybody playing time, um, trying to stay healthy. We did get an injury to Javon Bullard. I, I'm going to defer to the Jay Stein Law injury report for some more updates on that one. I don't know how serious it is. Um, and Makai Muse is just like, I mean, he's almost like must-watch TV every time he's back there for a punt. Um, and I find it awesome that Kirby calls him Waffle House because he's always open. So, um, you know, we're not showing anything. We got out of there with a 42-point win. Some people, uh, that was a push for them. Some people, it was a win. And for some people, it was a loss because I saw it anywhere from 41.5 to 42.5. Um, but now now we move on to conference play next week with, uh, with South Carolina coming to town. So as y'all know, uh, me and Dane and the kids were there on Saturday. Uh, you know, it's just always a great experience. I mean, it's a 10 out of 10, 10 times out of 10. Um, getting there was relatively easy. Took an hour and a half or so. We parked at Classic Center, ate lunch downtown, walked through North Campus. Um, I was like taking that kind of direction through the law school and through North Campus Business School and just kind of doing all that kind of stuff, showing the kids. And then, you know, the start of the game, gives me all the feels every time, right? I mean, I've seen it a thousand times and they play the trumpet, they play the music Saturday, Saturday, and it just, it just gets me. So they do a great job. Larry, your boy, uh, Joey Chestnut called the dogs, the 16 time world eating champion, Joey Chestnut. Um, The hot dog, the hot dog King was calling the dogs. You gotta love it. I mean, everybody's a dogs fan. Um, you know, I'll be honest, hand in the air, we left at halftime. Um, it was pretty warm. We saw 30, you know, 30 something points. We saw interceptions. Um, you hear they're, they're calling Chaz's the kick six. You hear that? The, the, or the, 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 the kick pick six. No, the kick the pick. pick. The kick pick. Yeah. I'm sorry, the kick pick. Um, but uh, 
you know, the stadium was great. We went to the bookstore afterwards, which have y'all been there recently? Holy shit. I didn't go off when I was in school. It's like, um, it's like going to the master's, you know, the master swag tent. It just goes on. I got this new, this new lid. You'll see it's the, uh, you know, the old school UGA, um, the letters. Uh, I think I had this hat in high school games. Remember, remember me walking yeah. around in Walton wearing this? I um, definitely had that. Not with the G on the back, though. That looks cool. Yeah, the, the, the new G is good. I, uh, but I yeah, the red one with the Georgia kind of like in cursive with the circle on it, also by game. Um, I bought a few years ago. That's a little bit of a throwback from our high school days. Yeah, so y'all need to get to the bookstore next time you get up there. I think half the stadium emptied out at half and and went there. But but yeah, you mentioned um, Makai Muse Lawrence, and and he's to me he's like uh, Isaac McKenzie was a few years ago. Even going more further back, Damian Gary, you know, guys get the ball and they can just go. Uh, but our guy Dylan Bell, man, um, he to me, I mean, if we're going to continue making comparisons, he's got like that Debo Samuel thing going, right? Where you can kind of get him the ball in different places, running back, wide receiver, get him in space. Uh, and he just makes people miss. So, um, you know, playmakers all over the place on defense, watching Malachi Starks in person. Holy shit. That guy is everywhere. Every play he's in on it. You think he's out of position, you know, on a, on a, on a pass plate. He goes in and just, he makes that interception. So, um, again, him, Tyke Smith, our secondary, just ridiculous. Yeah, a, a few things of note. So, you know, I, I might as well just start with Carson because I mentioned it before. I think he gets, he's gotten off to a slow start the first two weeks. And I think a lot of it for me, um, and I can't believe I'm saying this, and, and Jason Gans two years ago definitely would have thought Jason Gans now would say this, but he just doesn't have the step factor. He doesn't have the it factor. He, he's, he doesn't have the confidence. And I'm not saying he's he's not confident, but you, you, Stett came out there and he had a swagger to him. And Car- Carson doesn't have that yet. Um, the first quarter was not great. I think, like I said, I settled into a rhythm. A couple of other things wanted to to mention. Yeah, Lawrence, you mentioned Brock Bowers. Um, Brock had that one drop, which is so uncharacteristic of him. That thing was going for six. Uh, he had that drop. He also had – it was a tough ball in the end zone. Um, and it, for anybody else, I'd say, okay, fine, whatever. But you we're used to Brock Bowers catching that. In terms of Malachi Muse, I think it's a great story. Uh, our friend Nick Adams, loyal listener and uh, part-time administrator of uh, Last Call, mentioned that he reminds him of Darren Sproles, and I, I like that analogy too. I agree with your analogies too, Josh, but I thought that da- Darren Sproles was was a uh, a good analogy. Um, I want to see what he does against South Carolina. I want to see what he does against some of these bigger, you know, uh, bigger, stronger, faster um, teams. Uh, and then the you know, last thing, you know, with Dylan Bell. Awesome. Love him. That was such an exciting run. I hope we don't have to see him at running back all that often. And that's not a knock on him. That ju- We just need some stability there. We need some consistency there. Um, don't want to hate on this guy, but I did last week. I'm going to do it again a lot. Maybe he's injured. I, I don't see it with Kendall Milton. Maybe I'm wrong. I might catch some hell for this. I just don't see it. I want to love the guy. I want to <laughs> see him break one off. I don't see him doing it, though. He did. He did punch one in. We he, uh, our California duo had a, had some t- had some uh, rushing touchdowns, uh, but I'm with you. He looks he looks a step slow right now. Yeah, who do you like better? I mean, right now, uh, no, Dylan Bell's my favorite running back in Rod Burgundy. Well, like Rod well, Burgundy, the two Rod best Burgundy, Rod Burgundy, or, or number two right now. And again, I think he's got a tweaked hamstring or something like that. So maybe it's not fair. But right now, I like Rod Burgundy better. Listen, I mean, we haven't seen Dejon Edwards yet. I think obviously right. he's being held out for South Carolina. We haven't seen Phil McCon- or Ladd McConkey yet. Phil he's McConkey. being held out for South Carolina. Um, but I, one thing I did love about the that kick pick or pick kick, whatever calling it, 
Um, you can tell how much the team loves Chaz Chambliss. It's amazing. They mobbed him like he hit the game-winning home run at the bottom of the ninth to win the World Series uh, after that pick. Uh, Did I, you I, also I, see that the pass? It was thrown to a dude that was blocking. It, was, it, it hit him in the heel. <laughs> he was engaged. I know we talk about Chaz a lot, but he's every, he's everywhere too, man. Like he's he's active. He's around the ball. I was I agree with you, Lawrence. Like they were so pumped that he got that interception. Um, so yeah, look him, and then got Cash Jones also wearing thirty two, who's pretty active as well. Uh, good on those guys. This, I don't know if his touchdown catch was awesome, by the way. Yeah. I, I don't know if y'all have mentioned uh, Marcus Rosemary Jack Saint yet. If you have, I'm sorry to bring him up again, but getting him back, I think really calmed some people down, added a little, added that extra level to the offense. Um, I think Carson kind of looked to him first, you know, somebody that knows all the route tree and, 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 you know, is very comfortable. So good getting him back. The other name who is officially now on the board, D side Sperlin, he's got a catch in the fourth quarter. Put it on the books. Our guy, our guy's in the books. He's official. He's officially a dog. He's on the stat sheet. So good on good on Pierce. Um, like I said, who's one of thirteen guys to catch a pass uh, from the Bulldog Gunslingers on Saturday? Very good. All right. So we got those two games out of the way. Um, SEC play starts next week in South Carolina. We will circle back around that at the end. Uh, but let's get on to some other games. Keep this thing moving. Keep our promise of getting all around the country and not just doing Georgia talk. Uh, last week we said, Texas, are they back? Miami, are they back? Colorado, are they for real? Um, I guess the answer right now is yes, yes, and yes, right? Texas, Alabama had the eyes of the nation. We all watched it Saturday night. Lair, what you got? I will say Texas is officially back. They, they look good in the trenches, offensive and defensive line. Um, I feel like the Georgia program has done a really good job developing wide receivers that we now send to other teams. Uh, Adenoy Mitchell, no longer AD, don't call me AD, was was ridiculous on Saturday. And Quinn Ewers, like he lived up to that Heisman potential. Texas, I think I think they gave was it the Bama's biggest home loss in like 15 years or something ridiculous like that. It was a it was an ass kicking, quite frankly. Um, and I will say Colorado is for real. They uh, they took care of business against Nebraska. Now, Nebraska, probably still not that good, but they are putting their money where their mouth is. Um, and that was, it's impressive. Coach Prime has these guys. They're ready to go. And they have a couple games upcoming. I think two weeks they have USC or Oregon, Oregon, USC coming up back to back. So we'll see if they're really for real then. But right now they look pretty good. Now, I'll pump the brakes a little bit on Miami. Yeah, they beat Texas A&M. But man, Texas A&M isn't good. So I, I think there's a lot to be wait and see on the Hurricanes. Uh, but it was a nice win for them, even though they probably had like 45 fans in attendance uh, down in Coral Gables. I think uh, we need to spend some time, a little bit more time on the Texas-Alabama game because we're only two weeks or two and a half weeks, however you want to look at it, into the season. And obviously that was the best game thus far. Um, is Texas back? I don't know. Uh, I was impressed with them. They look good, but I think even more so, I think Alabama looks soft and weak. And and this wouldn't be a podcast without positing this. Has Saban been fired yet? <laughs> I'm kidding, but that that is a uh, such a spoiled fan base, and you will hear the mouth breathers say that he's the 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 greatest football college football coach since my two years coaching intramural football in uh, in Athens. Um, uh, Alabama just looked very 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 weak in the trenches. Jalen Milrow is a hot mess. The guy is athletic. He can run. He's going to die 
they're going to kill him. He took five sacks last night. Some of them were because he was scrambling and running around. Um, uh, Herb Shriek kept talking about how great of a deep ball he throws, and he did throw a few good deep balls. The guy can't throw a 10-yard pass, though. He's not the answer. I said in uh, our college football preview uh, that I thought Alabama could go 9-3. and three. It looks like 9-3 and three right now. Their offensive line was awful. Their defensive line was awful. Um, they just they, they didn't look good. Texas did look good. I, A.D. Mitchell, I don't know. Mitchell looked good. Quinn Ewers looked good. The others, uh, Xavier, whatever his name is, looking. Their defensive line got after it. Um, I think Texas is is. is we'll see, right? I, their schedule's pretty weak. I looked at it today. They should win every game that they have left on their schedule. They won't. All right. Put put me down. Nick Adams, Tom Ludlam, mark that down. Texas will lose a game they shouldn't lose, probably in Fort Worth. Um, maybe to Oklahoma. I doubt it. But like they it could be Kansas State in November, one sure. of those types of games. And I did say this yesterday. I am kind of rooting against Texas because if we play them in the national championship, that's just going to drive up my ticket price in Houston. Big time. Um, Larry, when you were talking about Colorado, I almost pulled a Kenny's cutting in. Uh, they are not for real. They've played – they, they beat TCU, and they played an awful Nebraska team. Will they be for real? Perhaps. They're not for real yet. Uh, they are putting up big numbers. I do like that. Uh, in terms of A&M and, um, and Miami, I didn't watch it, admittedly. Um, but a and is just an absolute joke. Uh, they made, based on stats, I think it's Tyler Van Dyke, who is the Miami quarterback. The guy looked like, again, we've used this before, the next coming of Johnny Unitas. The guy just looked fantastic. So um, just, I mean, the seat is toasty. At, at some point, they're just gonna, the NIL money is going to shift to the buyout money. I love it, guys. I threw you guys the uh, the three-pack of games and y'all's energy and excitement. You just took it and ran. I got, I got a lot to go back and unpack from what we just discussed. Uh, my question is this. Last week, we asked if Georgia uh, broke um, TCU. Did Georgia break Bama as well? Did, did Georgia break Bama? And they are, Because they were not the same Bama team we've been watching the last decade. They had no, they had no dude out there, right? Like they had no dude. Um, to your point, Gans, in the beginning of the, uh, the, the the preview show, you said, could anybody on Bama crack Georgia's 22? I think the answer now is no. Um, maybe Kool-Aid, although he got punked a few times. Um, Saban, he, he just doesn't look like himself. I mean, you got Sark after dark taking him down, which is what now the third uh, assistant coach, Kirby, Jimbo, and, and now Sark. Um, Quinn Ewers, you know, I think one of us, uh, we we're talking about, he, he was throwing like pitching wedges, lob wedges out there. And just dropping them right into former Georgia receivers' hands. So that wasn't close. I mean, in years past, I'd have said Alabama's going to come back. They're going to make a run. But no, they, they never were going to. Texas was better, was better than them all over the board. Yeah, they, they don't, don't have- they don't they have, have the receivers that they used to have, right? They don't have the – they've got Jermaine Burton, who's their top receiver. They don't have the the Mechies, the Jamison Williams, the Devontae Smiths. Um, they don't have the guys in the trenches. They don't have a quarterback. They're getting new coordinators every year. And, and I, I get that, that that's a, a hallmark of, of top-tier programs. Your coordinators move up. It's happening to Georgia as well, not, to, not at the same frequency. They're they're not there. This is a in, in fact the whole SEC West is kind of um, soft. We talked about it in the preview. Who's going to win the SEC West? I said I think Alabama, uh, but it's a toss up over there. I have no idea. Well, I mean, I think it's the SEC in general looks to be down, and that's evidenced by the fact they've been getting smoked by these out of conference games. 
Um, but I, I think in terms of the coordinator kind of carousel that, that they've had at BAM over the past few years, I think it's finally starting to catch up with them. They've had no stability whatsoever. Um, and, you know, the last two rounds of coordinators with Pete Golding and Bill O'Brien, they got run out of town on a rail. You know, they went and did this, you know, nationwide search. You'd think they'd have the pick of whatever coordinators they wanted. They end up with Tommy Reese and with Kevin Steele, uh, you know, a retread and a guy who, you know, quite frankly, wasn't impressive at Notre Dame to begin with. Um, Jalen Milrow, I, I agree with you guys. I mean, he's got a little bit of AR 15 to him, right? He flashes at times, but then he's just underwhelming. Uh, but if he's the, if he's the best they have, um, you know, Alabama, listen, I, I think their, their floor gains, I agree nine and three, but at the end of the day, the SEC West is down. The SEC East is down. They very well could run the table and we'll see him in Atlanta. And then uh, we could have a chance to really f- officially put the nail in the coffin of Alabama. My prediction is looking good, though, that there would not be an undefeated SEC West team. Um, Ole Miss is the only one that's 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 undefeated that, you know, potentially has a chance of winning it. And, and the, well, they're going to lose to us, but they will lose other games. Um, Milrow, again, is not the answer. And I, I do think that there's going to be I'm sure there are calls for quarterback competition in, in Tuscaloosa. But regardless, if there's not, he's going to die. They are going to knock him out of a game. He's going to get killed. You can't run around like that. Uh, so they're going to have to go to plan B and plan C. And and what's the old expression? If you've got two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks and, and they have no quarterbacks in Tuscaloosa. Exactly. Lawrence, you touched on it. You know, the, the whole SEC out of conference showing so far have been um, less than stellar. We discussed last week. I said I didn't really couldn't give give a crap about how the SEC does. But I think it is something we need to, to make note of. We did we the SEC did get a couple of wins versus some Pac-10 teams late Saturday night. Pac-10 apparently was unbeaten on the season as a as a collective until then. So Mississippi State took down Arizona, and then the strangest game on the board: Auburn going out to Berkeley to play Cal. Uh, does anybody care? I mean, Auburn fans did care. Obviously, um, was that like a fourteen to ten just? Yeah, snooze fest, snooze, snooze fest from all accounts because I did not stay up to watch that one. I watched, I watched the whole first half. Uh, I was affectionately referring to it as rednecks versus Antifa. Um, it was some <laughs> ugly, ugly football. I was impressed though. I didn't think that they'd fill the stadium, and they did fill the stadium. It was kind of loud, but it was just awful, awful football. And then I, 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 I threw in the towel at halftime. USC looking good out there. Both of y'all had um, had them in your top four. Look, their offense is going to be there. Defense, we'll find out, but they got them cooking. Yeah, I also had Clemson, and I'm going <laughs> to. I think that one's going to be a big L. Um, I did as well, so um, we'll move them out of the top four. I was debating Clemson versus Florida State, and I went with Clemson. I thought only because the Clemson Florida State game is at Clemson. Clemson, a- another one, right? Um, that it looks like uh, the shine is off the turd. I mean, that game in the first half, I didn't watch it, but in the first half, they they were running pretty tight with Charleston Southern up till halftime. They ended up blowing the doors off them in the second half, and that doesn't mean anything anyway that they're running it tight. But, um, I, you know, I, I think that they're – People aren't there. In fact, I saw an article today, and I joke around about the whole Saban thing. Has Saban been fired yet? But there is some, um, I don't want to say heat on Dabo's seat, but um, some of the shine is off the turd, right? Well, Dabo has to adapt. He, you know, he's, he refuses to do the NIL thing. He refuses to do certain other stuff like portal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The portal. Um, so, you know, he just has to, he has to adapt. But the other, the other game with the, the out West team, I know that Lawrence was watching it close. Got a lot of chatter from all of us. Oregon Ducks, Dan Lanning versus the Red Raiders, the sucker bet of the week. 
the bet your 401k from Gans on Oregon. That line was moving all over the place. Um, damn, Lawrence, how do you feel, buddy? That that was that was a tough one. Um, you know, if we're here in the trust tree, I will say when I make these picks. I don't really. I never love them, but I'm looking at the data. I'm looking. Oh, at the, come here on. we go. I'm, Here's the hedge. This isn't a hedge. I'm just saying. I'm looking at the data. I'm looking at the public side, and I'm I'm tell, I'm going with what builds those big casinos out in the desert. Um, and going into the game, the public money and the number of bets was heavily on the duck side. So I actually started to feel good that Texas Tech was going to keep it close. Now we kept following the game. It was the back and forth battle going into the fourth quarter. I almost had a concession from Mr. Gans here, ready to eat crow. Uh, and then, and then Oregon rolls off uh, twenty a twenty to three fourth quarter. They take the lead on a field goal with a minute left, and the only thing that couldn't possibly happen happened: the batted ball right into the gut of the lineman, and he takes it to the house. Bad beat. The sucker bet loses for the first time on the season and let me tell you it was painful it was a painful l what was your perspective jason well first off i want to address his excuse there there's the no excuse analogy, the analogy i i would that just pops in my mind is you know and this isn't me but i love my wife until she started cheating on me and, and she wouldn't have cheated on me if she didn't run into her her college sweetheart and, and you know uh that come on uh, it's a terrible analogy. I wasn't making an excuse. <laughs> football, football. Uh, I, I, my, my take on the game was, uh, being that we're in the trust tree. I actually thought that Oregon was going to blow the doors off of them. So the fact that it was thirty-eight thirty uh, was a little bit too close for comfort from my four hundred one k. But that's why they play sixty minutes, Larry. It was a bad game. The other, the other game that I that I called out was uh, Utah Baylor. When that one came down to the wire, too, I think it ended up being a push. Um, when Utah scored at the very end of that game. Um, but it, there were some exciting games. You know, there was, uh, I think, again, there was some week one overreactions. Gans, if I would have told you that Oregon was minus 12, you would have jumped all over that too. So probably. Um, yeah, they I were. mean, it, it was a fishy line. It was a fishy line. Um, and, and quite frankly, the Red Raiders should have covered, and that was just a bad beat. It happens. I would have taken Utah also for the record. I didn't have the conviction on that one, but I would have taken Utah um, I, I probably would have taken Alabama. I didn't love that. I think I said that the whole time. I had zero conviction on that. I was surprised that Texas won by 10. I thought Texas, if they win, if they won, and as they did, it would have been three. Well, excited to see what the sucker bet of week three is going to turn out to be. So let's start looking ahead to next week. Like I said, Georgia starting the SEC schedule. We've got South Carolina, the Gamecocks coming to town. Uh, who've not shown too much the first couple, their, their first little bit. Um, we kicked their ass last year. I, I read that um, the second, well, per, let's back up. The three most dominating games of any team versus another team last year all involved Georgia. It was Oregon, Oregon game, South Carolina game, and then TCU game. Um, I don't know how they compute it, but it's some deal with whatever. Uh, so we we had the biggest domination, second biggest domination of the year against South Carolina last year. Um, Going to happen again? Hey, Gans, I'll let you start because I know you got a uh, you got a bone to pick with uh, Coach Swag Beamer. We haven't shown anything. Their offensive line is terrible. I think that uh, Spencer Rattler is hot garbage. He might make me eat those words. What um, I think it was Coach Donnan last year on on a podcast I was listening. He said the guy is great against air. He's like the best. The reason he was so highly recruited, he was the best. You know, seven on seven quarterback out there. But um, there's this thing called an offensive line that has to protect you. 
Uh, you have to scramble. They do not have one. I would put Walton High School and Daniel Calhoun, uh, their offensive line up against South Carolina's right now, and I think Spencer Rattler would take it. I want to see the dogs um, just pin their ears back, get after this guy, make him make some bad decisions, let Malachi Starks just roam the secondary. Uh, I like the dogs big time. I think I saw the line at 26. 27. 27. That's a lot. Uh, but but I, I'm thinking, you know, 42-10. So maybe I do like the dogs covering. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. And I think uh, after last year's game when Beamer was screwing around with the AC yeah. in the locker room, I, I, he fact checked me on this one, but I heard on the radio today that maybe we don't play South Carolina in 2024. Four is that true? I, I don't know. I uh, I don't think we do. That's right. I don't um, think we do. So uh, this is going to be this will be the last time that they are like a regular on our schedule, and I think that Kirby's going to lay it to to Coach Beamer. Um, you know, the trenches is where these games are won. We're going to dominate them. I like what I've seen out of guys like Marvin Jones Jr., uh, Warren Brinson. These guys, uh, Kristen Kristen Miller played great. I thought on Saturday. Um, I think they really are going to get after um, the, the Gamecocks on Saturday. I, I see a very similar type outcome that we've seen in the last couple of years. Uh, Twenty-seven is a lot of points. I think we do cover the number. I think it's. Uh, I think it's possibly hanging a fifty burger on these guys. Agreed. Agreed. You know, if, if history is to teach us anything, it is that games like the first two weeks of this season, Kirby does not throttle teams. Like if there was a line, we never cover it in those kind of games. This is the kind of game that we will cover it. I think it's a 50 burger and I think it's a less than 10 burger and it's an ass kicking and you know, it is, it is what it is later. Everybody feels great about the dogs again. Um, and we celebrate the, the yeah. schedule, the schedule around the country and around the sec kind of sucks next week. Um, I went through it and the only games that I could even really pull out. I mean, Tennessee, Florida used to be a, a thing. It will be interesting to watch those two teams and, and see if Tennessee is, is as strong as, People think, and if and if old uh, old Florida and Billy uh, continue to suck, um, I don't know. I mean, are y'all, do y'all care to watch that one? I'll watch it because it's seven o'clock. I don't think we're doing anything this weekend. Um, historically, you know, five years ago, I'd be rooting hard for Florida only because you know we we look at Tennessee as probably the the biggest thing on our schedule. But candidly, I don't give a shit. Right? Let us, you know, we control our own destiny. We have the past year, so I don't need any help from Florida. I mean, I would assume Tennessee. I think Florida sucks, and I, I don't. I don't think Tennessee's as good as they were last year. I, you know, I, I think I saw four points. Uh, Tennessee was favored. I'll defer to Larry on that, but I, I think Tennessee probably wins by fourteen. Eight, eight and a half is a line I saw this yeah, afternoon. Wrong thing. Yeah. Um, Tennessee historically does not play well in Gainesville, but if you want to go to the Bobo transitive property, um, Florida lost to Utah. Utah got taken down to the wire by a Baylor team that got beat by Wyoming. So if you use that transitive property, Florida is hot garbage. Um, Baylor lost to Texas State. Texas State, sorry, it was fighting uh, armadillos. Yeah, yeah, Texas Tech yeah. lost to to, uh, to uh, Wyoming. They lost to the Texas State fighting armadillos. So. Yeah. Florida is a bad football team, even though they won whoever, whatever directional school they played this past weekend. Um, Joe Milton, you know, probably, you know, I think he actually got booed in Tennessee this past week because they only beat Austin P by 17. He has uh, got a lot of similar traits in, in terms of like Jalen Milrow in AR-15 that I called in the preview show, flashes of brilliance, but just just ridiculously inconsistent. Tennessee should go down there and win by double digits. 
Um, but who knows? Weird things happen in Gainesville. I, I thought you you thought you were looping us in there with the Larry's losers, but I guess Dude, you know, we're, as we record this on Sunday night, I, I can't yet give with confidence to Larry's losers. I'm going to have to post it to the Facebook page later this week. I got more research to do red. Look at that. Right, I was going to say, I was going to say what other podcast out there is somebody using the transitive property to start picking games. I mean, yeah, <laughs> golf clap to that, but uh, so yeah, it's Sunday. Usually we record on Monday. Lawrence, is there that much more data available in 24 hours? To, to allow you to make a pick or is this you just you just a little uh yeah you're, you're still stunned from the punch in the face from from the Oregon Ducks you just can't rally back yet What's I got that? I need to gather I need to gather myself I need a 24 another 24 hours of some line movements and some more wagers coming in so I can start to review the data are the analytics the tell all man it's moneyball are any of the games though that you're looking looking at jumping at you any any of the six pack you can say at least have your eye um, so some of the games that I looked at, uh, well, the tech, tech old miss was one that you had talked about, um, this weekend, old miss is 18 and a half. I mean, they just beat Tulane by 17. I think Tulane is a better football team than Georgia tech. Um, Michigan state is playing Washington and Michigan state has got a lot of uh, controversy around that program right now. Washington is minus 13. So that one, I mean, that could go either way. And then uh, the other line that, that I looked at today, which which jumped out, is Texas plays Wyoming. They're a really big favorite there. It's 28 points, and I would imagine there's going to be some level of a letdown uh, after the big game against Alabama. Stay tuned this week. Big Lair will come up with a game that is the sucker bet of the week, so we'll, we'll get that out there. Um, any games you're looking at, Jason, that have your attention for next week? Oh, really? Florida-Tennessee. I mean, I'll, I'll watch the old Miss Tech game. Two two teams, you know, both Florida, Tennessee and, and Ole Miss Tech are two teams or four teams that are on the dog schedule. So it's more just uh, scouting the opponents uh, to your point. It's it, it's kind of a uh, ho-hum weekend of, of games. I, I think I might head up to Athens to watch the dogs beat the Cox, um, but, but we'll see TBD there. Yeah, I mean, all of us are, are much, much bigger college football fans and pro fans, but but the NFL does win the battle on scheduling and and intrigue games. I mean, you look at week three of the college football season, you're just like, ugh, I got nothing. Um, all right, the other big segment that people are loving, man, the uh, the Jimbo of the week, the Jimbo Award. They might they might really like what's coming their way this way. If I have any prediction of what your brain is doing, it was tough this week. I, yeah, I watched a lot of football. I was at home um, and. <laughs> There were some boneheaded calls. There were some stupid things. Nothing really jumped out to me. In, in fact, I had to go to my my colleagues here, Lawrence and Josh, and kind of ask for suggestions. And um, because there wasn't a ton, of, week one there was a lot to work with. It, this seems like a lazy pick, um, and it's not. I did put a lot of work into this, but but the Jimbo of the week this week goes to its namesake, Jimbo Fisher. The fact that he rolled into to Coral Gables and just got the shit kicked out of him um, in the NIL Bowl uh, for two years in a row is just – it's inexcusable. The, the guy is just trash. He brought in Bobby Petrino, uh, uh, supposedly handed over the reins of the offense, and then let Miami put up 48 and, and, and make their quarterback you know look like Johnny Unitas. It's coaching malpractice. He's he's in fact at this point just stealing from the state and from the boosters. Um, so Jimbo, you sir are the Jimbo of the week. You know, I watched a little bit of that game. Um, stadium was half empty, half full, depending on your perspective. There was not a ton of Miami fans there, and as Texas A&M is driving, they have a fourth down in the red area. 
they're going for it and they jump off sides. Like th- there wasn't even crowd noise to affect it. That is a it's a poorly coached team. They have recruited. They they have probably, you know, let's take Georgia, maybe Ohio State off the table in terms of talent top to bottom. They're probably t- a top five team when it comes to the number of stars on their roster, right? They have recruited very, very well. And the fact that that Jimbo can't beat Miami, it, it, I mean, it's embarrassing. If I was an AM fan, I would be like uh, Sean Traub and digging graves in the backyard and be uh, be on the ag event going bananas. I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I meant to mention that as well. They have a ton of talent on that team. And, and I don't, last year we knew exactly what his buyout was and when it went down. And, and they, they've got to be at the point now. Like, there's nothing that they could do. They're good. What are they good? I, I thought that they would be better this year, just again because of of you know reversion to the mean. I'm not sure that they will. They, they'll do better than five and seven, I would assume. But at, at the end of the year, it might be time to cut bait and just suck it up and, and, and pay the buyout. This is what we know. The question is, who's going to go after Coach Prime? <laughs> <laughs> we'll say that for next week. This is what we know: the Mets are going to met. Jimbo's going to Jimbo, and you know what? He could win the award every week, but sometimes they're just more. Obvious and others. So I'm on board, full, you know, full approval, full go. He's got it. All right, gentlemen, good stuff. Uh, appreciate y'all being flexible with schedules, doing this a day early. Look, this the show must go on. I mean, we've got jobs, we've got lies, but this is something that's got to happen. So appreciate you guys very much. Um, thank everybody out there for listening. Hope y'all enjoyed this. We're gonna keep coming at you every week. Look for some stuff throughout the week on the Facebook page and all that good stuff. So uh, go dogs next week. Gans, hope you go to Athens and bring home another dog victory. Go, Later, dogs. Boys. go dogs. Go dogs. See y'all later. Go dogs. <laughs>